Welcome to this week's sermon audio from Covenant Presbyterian Church of Fort Smith. Covenant is a church devoted to theological depth, intimate relationships, joyous worship, relentless evangelism, and sacrificial service. Coming up, a sermon from our series, The Songs of Ascent. Here now is our pastor, Dr. John Clayton. And today it's a real joy for us to look at Psalm 134. Let's look at this together. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, He who made heaven and earth. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's go to Him in prayer. Divine Spirit, illumine to us the words of the Lord. Show us the wealth of glory that lies beneath the old familiar stories. Teach us the depths of meaning hidden in the songs of Zion. Raise us to the height of aspiration that is reached by the wings of the prophet. Lift us to the summit of faith that is trod by the feet of the apostle. Open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your law. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. While we're still assessing the worldwide issues that came out of the pandemic, for Christians, surely we can agree that one of the key issues or lessons that we learned was the value of corporate worship on the Lord's day. Surely we can agree on that. Uh, Perhaps, perhaps in that pandemic, we got a taste of what our brothers and sisters in persecuted churches across the world face, where they are not free to assemble in worship and even persecuted For their assembly. How easy it is to take for granted in person worship on the Lord's day. You may remember, like me, the anticipation, the excitement of coming back together in corporate worship. During that time, I know many of you joined us via live stream, and if I recall correctly, I think there were only four of us here during that time, and I would preach to that eyeball, that eyeball, wherever the other camera is, those eyeballs, this is the hardest thing that I've done after, after becoming a, a pastor. And when we came back together, I was so excited. I had such anticipation, and I know that you did too, to come back with grateful hearts to praise the Lord. And it was wonderful, wasn't it? Now, I want you to think back to that moment. And I want you to capture that memory if you can. Because that experience captures the essence of this psalm. That moment captures the essence of what the psalmist is singing. Or, if I might borrow from this psalm, we were blessed to bless the Lord. There are two Hebrew words that are translated bless in English. The first is Asherah, 
which carries the sense of well-being. And, and an easy example of this is the very first psalm. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. That's that Hebrew word, ashra, which is that sense of well-being, a blessedness. That word's not used in this psalm, in the 134th psalm. Rather, the other word that's translated bless is baraka. It is a verb and it's used in two different ways. It's used to describe what we do to God and what God does to us. But how and for whom it is used affects its meaning. In other words, the context of the passage of the verse as it is used affects its meaning. In other words, for us to bless God is different than God blessing us. Same verb, but different connotation. Note the word bless, baraka. It's used in our psalm. Look down at the psalm with me. It's used three different times. The first two times, it is used to describe what we do to God. We bless the Lord. In its use, the word does not connote a need in God, as if God is waiting for us to somehow bless Him because He is needy. No, but it is an appropriate response from us. We bless the Lord because He is worthy of it. Some translators and some commentators then will translate this word as praise rather than bless because of the confusion. But the problem with translating it as praise is because the verb also connotes a sense of gratefulness. And so, think of it this way. For us to bless the Lord is to worship the Lord in grateful praise. To bless the Lord is to worship Him in grateful praise. This is not the case, however, In the third verse where it says, the Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. As it is used, the word connotes a covenantal relationship. Such as between the Lord and His chosen people. The Aaronic blessing, which you should be familiar with because I use it often as a benediction here. The Aaronic blessing is a perfect example of how this is used. The Lord told Moses to tell Aaron, to tell the people this, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall shall put My name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. And so such a blessing was not for everyone, but it was specific to the chosen ones, the people of God who did not merit God's blessing, but received it. Now to further understand this distinction as it is used in this psalm, we may think of this psalm in the sense of corporate worship. And that's why at the beginning of the service I directed you to your bulletin and to pay attention to our liturgy today. In the first verse, the psalmist says, Come, bless the Lord. And in this sense, it's the assembly, our gathering in worship. 
In the second verse, he says, bless the Lord. In that sense, it's as if it is our act of worship. And in the third verse, he says, may the Lord bless you. Which conveys the idea of the blessing of worship to us. In each of these three verses, they carry these three distinctions. Assembly, act, and blessing. So I want you to remember those three words. That's pretty easy, right? Assembly, act, and blessing. And they reveal to us God's blessing of corporate worship. Let's start with this. The assembly. The assembly of worship. The psalm begins with an invitation or what we might call a call to worship. Come, bless the Lord, the psalmist sings. It is a call to assemble in grateful praise to the Lord. But it's not anyone who is called. Who is called to assemble in worship? Look at the verse. All you servants of the Lord. All you servants of the Lord. Now, who are these servants? Well, the psalmist elaborates. There are those who stand by night in the house of the Lord. And that Hebrew word that's translated quite literally here, stand, means, so to speak, to minister. They're the servants of the Lord who are ministering in the temple on the Lord's behalf. According to 1 Chronicles The servants of the temple were the Levitical priests who carried out all aspects of temple worship. And I might add that their service in the temple was both in the morning and all night long. And so those who stand in the house of the Lord by night are these Levitical priests. But their primary purpose for being in the temple, even though it included all of these practical aspects of worship, their primary purpose for being there is conveyed in 1 Chronicles chapter 23. They were thanking, there is that gratefulness, and praising the Lord. They were thanking and praising the Lord. So the idea here is conveyed succinctly by the psalmist. Come, you servants of the Lord. You Levitical priests, come and let us bless the Lord. That's your purpose for being. The psalmist calls the servants of the Lord to worship. Those chosen, those who were set apart by the Lord to serve in temple worship. Now, at this point, we might say, well, then what does this have to do with us? But there is something that God said to his people In redeeming them out of Egypt. In Exodus chapter 19. God said to Israel. That he was redeeming them to be. Quote. A kingdom of priests. And a holy nation. And so biblically speaking. Those servants were serving as the Levitical priest. But they were serving in a representative sense. They were representing the holy nation of Israel. They were representing a nation who was redeemed to be a nation of priests. They're not exclusive, but representative of. This is not dissimilar to the minister's role in New Covenant worship. While every Christian has a ministry, not every Christian is a minister. 
Some men are set apart by God as servants of the Lord and given the task and responsibility of equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, Paul says. As a steward or as an instrument of the Lord, the minister does this primarily under the new covenant through the preaching of the word, the administering of the sacraments of the Lord's Supper, and baptism, as well as the ministry of prayer. And like the service of the Levitical priest under the Old Covenant, the service of the minister is essential to our assembled worship under the New Covenant. But the minister's service is not confined to a temporal temple on Mount Zion. But it is confined to the Lord's temple. Of Christ's construction. As the Apostle Paul explains. Quote. For we are the temple of the living God. As God said. I will make my dwelling among them. And walk among them. And I will be their God. And they shall be my people. All of us. All who are in Christ. Are like living stones. Peter says being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so, under the new covenant, the psalmist call, Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, is a call to all who are in Christ, who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ to assemble And when we assemble, we assemble as the Lord's temple. And so, assembling, we worship in grateful praise in the act of worship. Having assembled, the psalmist directs, you servants of the Lord, in this way. Lift up your hands to the holy place. Bless the Lord. Lifting up hands was a common worship practice in the Old Testament. The intentional posture was not theatrical. It was directional and it was devotional. The Levitical priests are not lifting their hands in any which way, but it's very specific. Look at the passage. Where are their hands directed? Their hands are directed to the sacred place of the Lord's presence. Sometimes translated the sanctuary. I think the best translation, it's one word in Hebrew. It's literally translated holiest. Uh, But I think a good translation to help explain what it is, it's the holy of holies or the holiest. That place of God's divine presence in the inner sanctum of the temple. This visible posture conveys a point. What the psalmist is telling us about the posture of the priest says this. Of all of the duties of the Levites, their chief duty was to bless the Lord. This is also the case in their presence. Think about it this way. Hands cannot be lifted to the holy place unless they're present to worship. As servants of the temple, the Levites understood the necessity of being present. Temple worship, I know this sounds overly uh, obvious, but temple worship could not occur if they 
were not present. But so it is with us. If we do not assemble, there is no corporate worship. In fact, the very word church comes from the Greek word in our New Testament, ekklesia. Literally translated, it means the assembly. That's what church means. Or the assembled ones. Our presence is essential to what the church is. And our posture is essential to what we do as a church. Think about it this way. If we assemble as consumers, for example, will the music entertain us enough? Will the sermon, will it satisfy us enough? Will the performance meet our expectations? Have you come today as a consumer of entertainment or have you come as a worshiper of the Lord? As a friend of mine says, if you want a contemporary music performance, surely you can do better than the church. <laughs> he says, go to a U2 concert. <laughs> Motives matter. And if we do not assemble in right worship of the Lord, we don't assemble as a church. We assemble as a club at best. I've got a better use of my time, and you do too. And God has created us and redeemed us for something greater than just club membership or just to be entertained as consumers. One pastor puts it this way, When we assemble, our stories may be interesting, but they are not the point. Our achievements may be marvelous, but they are not germane. Our curiosity may be understandable, but it is not relevant. Bless the Lord. Do that for which we, you were created and redeemed. Lift your voices in gratitude. Enter into the community of praise and prayer that anticipates the final consummation of faith in heaven. Bless the Lord. The purpose of our assembly, you see, is first and foremost to bless the Lord. But let's be honest with one another. Oftentimes we don't feel like it. Sunday comes around. Funny how this works. Sunday comes around once a week. And sometimes we just don't feel like assembling with the saints. I have to imagine that this was the case for the Levites too. I mean they were humans just like you and I are. If your job involved serving at the temple, regardless of your duty, it would be very simple to just go through the motions, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's real easy. It's real easy to just go through the motions if that's your profession. But I'm not alone. The psalmist called to worship, you see, is a call to bless the Lord. You could lift up your hands to be faithful in posture, but what about your heart? And it's here, you see, it's here that we see that duty 
and delight are two sides of the same coin. Duty and delight are two sides of the same coin. Our feelings do not dictate God's worthiness to be worshipped. And yes, there are times when I, as the pastor, I don't feel like assembling in worship. (laughs) But like the cry of a baby at midnight to her mother's ear, our duty is also an act of love that is rewarded with the delight of the very act itself. Our shorter catechism begins, what is the chief end of man? To which it answers, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Duty, delight. Glorify, enjoy. Bless the Lord. And may the Lord bless you. And so I want us to consider in conclusion the blessing The blessing of worship. The psalm concludes, not with a prayer. The psalm concludes with a pronouncement. In fact, the pronouncement, and it's not obvious in English, unfortunately, but it concludes with a personal benediction. If you look at the verse, you is singular. Or, because we southerners are smarter than northerners, It's the opposite of y'all. It ain't y'all, it's you. Personally, singularly. May the Lord bless you from Zion. And here the blessing is not praise of the worthy. As when we bless the Lord. But it is a pronouncement from the Lord to the unworthy. As Derek Kidner distinguishes, to bless God is to acknowledge gratefully what He is. But to bless man, God must make of him what he is not, and give to him what he has not. This blessing, for which we are unworthy, this blessing, the psalmist says, it is a blessing from Zion. Zion was the place of sacrifice, pointing to the cross of Christ. Zion was the presence of God, pointing to the Spirit of Christ. Zion was the place of worship, pointing to the church of Christ. So blessing comes not from that ancient place in the east on Mount Zion, but it comes from the person of Christ who made heaven and earth. In fact, according to the first chapter of Colossians, an expansion on how this psalm concludes He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. And so you see the blessing that we receive from the Lord comes 
through and for the Lord Jesus Christ. In Reformed worship, we refer to a pronounced blessing as the benediction. The word benediction literally means good word. Just as corporate worship is, in essence, a covenant renewal ceremony in which the covenant community gathers to hear the covenant promises which have been secured for us by Christ, and we, in our worship, we respond by faith, so our worship, rightly, concludes not with prayer nor best wishes from the pastor, but a pronouncement from God's covenant blessings. A good word indeed. Though our father Abraham broke the covenant of works, God established a covenant of grace made with and secured by Christ. And it is only in Christ that we are in covenant relationship with God. The curses that you and I deserve were atoned for by Christ. For our sake, He made Him who knew no sin to be sin. That we might become the righteousness of God. In union and in communion with Christ. The covenant blessings from the beginning to the end are ours. And all of this is summed up in the benediction. Or as Derek Thomas writes in his book on worship. This good word that is pronounced at the close of the worship service, is a reminder of our standing in covenant relationship with God. A reminder of God's sovereign initiative and determination to bring us safely home as well as our commitment and obligation to remain faithful to Him by way of a response to the grace that we have received. That's so good. And so at the end of the worship service, the benediction is pronounced. Just as prior to His ascension, Christ lifted His hands and blessed the people and then ascended to the right hand of the Father. We gather on the first day of the week in worship. So we are sent out into the rest of the week with the blessing of the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news that we have gathered and worshipped in spirit and in truth. And so we have assembled this Lord's Day, this very Lord's Day, as Christ's church. We've assembled in corporate worship of the Lord our God, and we have assembled to bless the Lord. And in blessing the Lord, you see we too are blessed. May the Lord bless you from Zion, He who made heaven and earth. Let's pray. Our gracious God in heaven, we thank you for the blessing of being able to bless you, to worship you in grateful praise, for you have created us for this, to glorify and enjoy you forever. We pray as your people, we would be faithful to assemble. That we would be faithful to bless you. For you have indeed blessed us in Christ. And continue to bless us and conforming us more and more to his likeness. 
We pray now that you would prepare our hearts for celebrating the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. May we see clearly the gospel presentation in it and glorify you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you have grown in your knowledge of and love for God. Covenant Presbyterian is a PCA church that meets for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Our address is 120 North 9th Street in historic downtown Fort Smith, Arkansas. For more information about Covenant, visit our website at www.cpcfs.org.